Uh, it's so good to get together. I'm sure you'll all join me in thanking our friends, every single person involved in running the Sunday morning meetings. I'm just looking behind the scenes here, and there's so much work that goes on into it. And it's not just those at Melbourne House. I'm aware that there are others at home who are working really, really hard to make it happen. So thank you so much to every single one of you. And that's from all of us at Jubilee. Uh, this is my second live preach since the lockdown, and um, but it's still not quite the same as uh, when we were able to get together in person. Um, and that's not just because I miss you. Um, it's because it's not the same because you can't really pick on the people who are sat on the first two rows. Uh, we've got a couple of people here, but because you can't see them, it's not really quite the same. Uh, but over the past three weeks, we've gone through a series called Pause and heard Gavin, Raj and Simon share their heart and what God's speak, speaking to us as a church, particularly over the lockdown period. And this is the final week of the series. And as you heard in the announcements, uh, we'll be hearing uh, more about vision uh, from next week onward. And I'm really, really excited about it. Um, it's unfair to give a Middle Eastern person uh, 20 minutes and expect them to share their heart with you. I mean, it probably takes 20 minutes just to get the greetings out the way and ask about each other's families and how things are. Uh, but we are called to count all sufferings pure joy. So I'm going to count this pure joy and share what I feel really God's been talking to me, um, particularly over the... Um, lockdown period. Um, going back to the title of this series, some people associate the word pause with some emergencies, um, like loo breaks. I remember that as a child, um, when we were watching a, a program on the TV, um, the only time you would use the pause button was when you really desperately needed uh, to go to the toilet. And um, so when I first heard about it, I associated it with emergencies. Um, in general. And that may be how life is at times, that we just really sit down and start uh, reflecting when it becomes a state of emergency. But that's not what God calls us to do. There are many occasions in the Bible where the people of God are called to stand still, reflect on who God is, and remember that he's in control. And praise God that we're part of a church, part of a family that often do that. Not just individually but also collectively as a body where we just stand still listen to god hear god and remember that he is in control and this morning i'll be sharing with you about god's love now i can describe god's love but it's not the same as experiencing it um, personally i can describe a plate of lovely kebab and rice to you. I can talk about the tantalizing spices in there. I can talk about the delightful colors of the untouched salad on the side, but it's not quite the same as tasting it, is it? Uh, but I want to encourage you, whatever's going on in your life at the moment, I'm going to ask you to really hit the pause button and hear the following verses. I'm going to read from the book of Romans, the letter of Romans, chapter 5, verses 1 to 8. Therefore, since we have been justified, that's declared righteous, by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Through him, we have also obtained access by faith into this grace in which we stand, and we rejoice in hope of the glory of God. More than that, we rejoice in our sufferings, 
knowing that suffering produces endurance, and endurance produces character, and character produces hope. And hope does not put us to shame, because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. For while we were still weak, at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. For one will scarcely die for a righteous person, though perhaps for a good person one would dare even to die. But God shows his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Amen. Praise God for his word. Praise God for the truth of his word. This isn't the first thing that the world thinks about when it comes to love, is it? If you ask somebody in the streets to describe love or to tell you what love is, they wouldn't be talking about the death of Jesus Christ on the cross. Especially for those who even at the time didn't know about him. The word love generally brings to mind a heart shape accompanied with a nice poem or in the church context, the verses from 1 Corinthians 13, followed by a warm, fuzzy feeling. Although God's love does have these sort of feelings to it, it's much more than that. So firstly, I believe God's love is uniquely sacrificial. God acted on his love for us that even when we were far off, when we were against him, when we were blaspheming against his name, when we were lost in our own ways, he sent his son, Jesus Christ, to die for us. And Jesus' death wasn't in vain. Because sometimes when you talk about death to people, they think, well, it's just the end of something. It's the end, and that's it. It's possibly a waste of a life, but it isn't. Jesus' death wasn't in vain. It was the victory of perfect love over darkness. God's love is an experience and happens through the Holy Spirit. Dear friends, let me ask you, do you know you're loved by God? Have you experienced God's love? If you have, it's the greatest thing you can ever experience. I'm sure you would agree with me. Nothing comes even close to it. It is possible to recite many Bible verses. It's possible to know a lot of Bible verses about love, about God's love for his creation, and about God's love and what it does to you, but not really experience it. And no one can make you feel it not even the greatest Bible bashers in the world, and I know a couple of them. My earthly father was the most loving and caring man I've known. I can even dare to say he was more gracious than Simon. But when I first experienced the love of God, it was unique. It was completely different. Of course, I could see traits of God's love in my father's love for me, but it was unique. It was a totally different experience. Now, you may think, I don't have the same experience, and that's fine. It's great to know that experiencing the love of God doesn't really depend on your upbringing, it doesn't depend on your social status, it doesn't depend on your income, or even your, the relationships or education you may have had. You'll feel it in a way that restores your hope. It gives you hope beyond anything. It gives you purpose. It causes you to shout out loud about who God is, our Father who sent his Son to die for us. And yes, we're still using the death of Jesus Christ to call out and shout out about the love of God. And that's where the depth of the love of God is seen. 
John Piper says, God's love poured out into our heart is not the same as God's love proven to your mind. So you may know about it, but you may not really know about it. I know that may not necessarily make sense, and it's not my grammar. But what the Bible says is that it is possible to just hear about God's love, but not to live in it or not to experience it. It is the work of the Holy Spirit, so no man can really take credit for it. No one can ever say that they gave you the love of God. Of course, we can reflect the love of God, but it's the Holy Spirit that pours it out in your heart. The truth remains, we're not here by accident, and that we're neither forsaken nor abandoned. So if you've been hearing lies that you're on your own, that you are forsaken and that you're abandoned, and it's easy to feel like that, particularly uh, during lockdown, particularly as we were going through some times that are uncertain. I promised myself not to use the word uncertain or unprecedented, but here we go. I broke my promise because it is easy to lose focus and to lose hope and to think that we're abandoned, that we're left to our own devices, that there's no one to care for us. These are lies based on the Bible. These are lies that you hear. So I'm going to encourage you to silence those lies and to listen and to hear the truth of the word of God, that you are loved by our creator, that God himself loves you so much that he gave his son. We heard it in the contributions that were brought. We heard John 3.16, that God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that if you believe in him, you will not perish, that you will have eternal hope, a hope that as we just read in the Romans, will not put you to shame. And shame is a big thing, but we will not be ashamed because we have our hope in Jesus Christ. Dear friends, do not be scared of the future. Don't be afraid of what's in store. Don't be afraid of what's around the corner because we have hope in the living God, in a God who's alive. Our hope will not put us to shame because you know what? As we were singing in the song, just earlier on, that he rose again. On the third day, he rose again from the dead, and he is still alive. A God who conquers death will conquer our fears. So if you're fearful, if you feel you're on your own, if you feel you've been abandoned, then you need God. You may have heard about him, you may know him already, but you need to experience his love. And he'll be a love different from any you know, because it's so uniquely sacrificial so unique in the way that is poured out in your heart. Simon will be praying right at the end, uh, and you can join him uh, as he prays. If you don't know Jesus for who he is, if you've not experienced the love of God, if you don't know Jesus the way that the Bible describes him, as the Messiah, as the Savior, as the one who came, lived a perfect life, died and rose again, I'm going to encourage you, to take the step of faith and put your trust in him. Allow him to be your hope and you will see he will not let you down. Doesn't necessarily mean that life will be all hunky-dory. No, you won't. But you will have a hope. You will have a rock to stand on. The second thing is God love, God's love compels us into action. Now, God's love is sacrificial, we heard, but also God's love made him act on it. Those who believe in God are called to do the same as he does. 
if we believe in God and if we believe in the love He has for us, then we will live different lives. We won't be the same person. If you decide to put your trust in Jesus Christ today, you will not be the same person as you were just a few moments ago. Because the Bible says that there will be new birth. And with that new birth comes new relationship. And with that new relationship comes a new family that you're part of. Comes new identity. You're a new person. And because you're a new person, the old is dead and the new is here. And part of that newness is acting and living in ways that God wants you to do. You won't be handling your finances in the same way as you did. You won't be dealing with relationships around you, with people around you, the same ways as you, the same ways as you did. You will be a different person. And those around you may notice it as well. If Jesus had only said things about love, we wouldn't be talking about him today, would we? Because a lot of people talk about love. A lot of people throughout history have spoken about love, about an infinite love, about even God's love. But we don't really talk about them much because they weren't able to live and fulfill their own words. But Jesus spoke about love and he lived it. I feel that for some of us, our love for one another maybe for our immediate family, maybe for those around us, maybe for our church family, has faded a bit. Perhaps because of the circumstances we're in. And there's no shame in that. But I don't want to encourage you to live and continue living that way. It's recorded in John chapter 13. A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another. Just as I've loved you, you also are to love one another. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. The same person who said this, namely Jesus Christ, went on to, on the road to Calvary, again as we were singing. He took up his cross, he was beaten, he was ashamed. He was even called the king of the Jews. Not, they didn't mean it, it was followed by a laughter. They mocked him and they said, is this the same king? Is this the person they were thinking of calling the king? And he died on that cursed tree. But he rose again. And in that we see his love. The love he was talking about. The new commandment he gave to his disciples. In Leviticus 19 we hear God saying, Love the orphans, love the sojourner. You go and do the same. I love the orphan. I love the immigrant amongst you. I love the person who is seeking refuge amongst you. I loved you. Now you go and do the same. You go and show love to the orphan. You go and show love to the widows. You go and show love to those who come to your land to seek refuge. You go and show love to one another. Your love for God will be expressed by your love for people. I praise God that I'm part of a church family that not only talks about love, but displays it. The first time I experienced that love amongst the family wasn't through a preach. It was the first time I walked into the church. I walked in and I was greeted with the most authentic welcome you can ever receive anywhere. And 16 years on, I praise God that it wasn't just to me. It wasn't a welcome extended to me. It's a welcome extended to anyone that walks in. I was speaking recently to a friend who was part of Jubilee and now lives in a different part of the country. He rang me just to ask one question. He said, he named a nation, a European nation, and said, do you know a church like Jubilee there? 
And I said, why are you asking? You're not moving there, are you? He said, no, I've got a friend there. He's not a Christian yet, but I want him to experience the same love as I did amongst you. And at that moment, I was about to burst in tears because this person had felt the love of God amongst my family here. And I'm so proud to be part of a family that welcomes people in a way that stays with them and remains with them. And they want to extend that to others. Jubilee has been a home, a safe home to many, to those who thought they've got it all sorted until they came to realize otherwise, and a home to those who had nowhere else to turn. And it continues to be a safe place to those people. Jubilee, your involvement in so many work in the local community, in the nation and in the nations, isn't just a helping hand to others. Next time you think that, think again. It's because God's called us to this works so that we can reflect his heart for the community. So often we've heard people quoting the words of Jesus through the works that we're involved in, in the society. Continue loving your neighbors. Continue loving people in the nation and the nations. And continue reflecting the heart of God. God says in Jeremiah, I've loved you with an everlasting love. Therefore, I continue my faithfulness to you. We love people with the way God's called us to, and we'll, be, we'll remain faithful to what God's called us to. I'm going to end with this a verse from Deuteronomy. You may think, what does God ask of us? Well, Jubilee, what does God ask of us? In Deuteronomy chapter 10, we read, And now, Israel, what does the Lord your God require of you? But to fear the Lord your God, to walk in all his ways, to love him, to serve the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul, and to keep the commandments and the statutes of the Lord, which I'm commanding you today for your good. This is what God asks of us, to love. One of our values is to be welcome because God is love. Jubilee, continue showing that welcome, continue loving your neighbor, and the nations. God bless you all.